This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, so do enjoy those. They are on us. Uh, That, again, is freetalklive.com. With you tonight, it's Ian. And Wayne. And Mark. And, uh... What you guys are all pointing at your headphones? It's because you keep on turning the knobs. Well, I'm turning my phone. You guys are going to have to handle up. it on your own. At this I, point. I can handle it. Thank okay. you. Uh, so you're going to make me deaf. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. You can bring up anything. We talked last night about the new health care plan that's being proposed in California, and what I had last night was essentially a, an Associated Press article just glossing over just the general idea that Arnold Schwarzenegger has proposed a universal insurance coverage plan. It's not total government, uh, it's not the total concept of universal health care in that the government won't be the sole provider of health care, but it is a government-mandated program as far as uh, they will be mandating that you have health insurance coverage or else. I see. Like the state of Massachusetts did in 2006. And so Anthony sent me an email from China, actually. The uh, Xinhuanet, ChinaView.cn news service, actually has the dirty details on how this proposed health care coverage plan is going to work. Because the AP article didn't even touch on it. They just said, oh, this is great. So, uh, Schwarzenegger wants universal health care coverage. And they just sort of left it at that. But how is it actually going to work is the question. Well, the Chinese people have the answer. California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger intends to ask businesses, doctors, hospitals, individuals, insurers, and the state government to ante up the money. Oh, he's just going to ask them, guys. This is no problem at all. He's just going to ask nicely, and everybody's going to volunteer. It's going to be a voluntary program, apparently. I can see all the U-Haul trucks leaving California now. Now it's going to give people one more reason to come to the the New Hampshire Free State Project. You know, he's not going to ask. He's going to mandate. You're right. He's not. Uh, I don't think people have any idea how many vibrant businesses have left California in the last 20 years because of all this nonsense. I don't know. I mean, you used to live there. Have have you known people specifically that have left for these reasons? Absolutely. Absolutely. It goes in waves. The stupidity goes up and down like a roller coaster there. And when it gets up to a peak, you you see more people and more businesses moving out of there. And unfortunately, as more businesses move out of California, their economy is going to suffer. And so then the government's going to use that as an ex- excuse to say, oh, we just need more government programs. I mean, the, the, we're having such a tough time here in California. Businesses are leaving. Uh, the economy's having a tough time. We're going to need to create more benefits. We're going to need more welfare. So it's just going to be used as an excuse for them to increase the welfare state, thereby driving more businesses out and essentially leaving a state full of serfs when all's said and done. Just when you think they can't increase it more, they do. Well, now get this. The governor's plan, apparently, is to uh, provide health care coverage to nearly all of the 6.5 million uninsured people in the state and all children, regardless of immigration status. And the governor's plan is likely to spark opposition from powerful interests, including doctors, hospitals, and insurers. Now, why would the hospitals and doctors be against this? Don't they want to help people? Why on earth would health care providers be against Government-mandated health insurance. You think they might know something the government doesn't know? I 
can't imagine exactly why, but I know that they, um, for one, the government mandates are going to make it more difficult for them to serve their customers. Um, they're going to, you know, cause them to take lower rates, um, or at least a, a, a standardized rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, price fixing maybe. Yeah, yeah, things like that. It's just not going to, it's not going to really go very well for them. Getting paid is no fun. Getting paid from the government and filling out all those forms and. What a pain in the neck. I wouldn't want it to be a doctor and be in business with that. I remember once, um, whenever I encounter someone who works in the healthcare field, I always love to ask them how much of their day is spent filling out forms. Mm. And it actually shocked me when I found out that some doctors actually spend portions of their day filling out forms. Because I knew that they had hired people to be specifically, their job is to fill out forms. There are actually people in the healthcare field that that's what they do. That's 97% of their day. The other 3% is a coffee break. I mean, they fill out forms. That's their job. But when I found out that the doctors were spending a, few, a couple hours a day as well filling out forms, I was pretty shocked. I've heard stories in the last few years, too, about doctors actually opting their practice out of all that and only accepting cash. Private doctors. Yes. Well, I'll tell you when you when you are paying in cash, and uh, for instance, I I have uh, have to I'm going to a doctor on a pretty regular basis, and um, you know I talked to him about uh, cash versus insurance. I told him I don't have insurance and uh, I'd rather pay in cash, and I wanted to negotiate the price. He immediately said okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, he wants to negotiate the price, and he negotiated down to something like less than sixty six percent than of, of the, the original quote of the original. Yeah. Wow. So wait, did he quote you originally and, and he didn't know you were paying cash at that Correct. point? Gotcha. Well, here's the rest of the story on the California situation. Uh, now, the claim is that the doctors and hospitals and insurers and employees and unions that are expected to oppose this uh, medical mandation of health care insurance are... are I, one more thing before, before yeah. you go on on that. Um, you know, many young people imagine to themselves, I'd like to grow up and be a doctor. Or sure I'd like do. to grow up and be a nurse. None of them imagine to themselves. Nobody sits there and when they're in their bed daydreaming, thinking to themselves, I'd like to grow up and fill out endless Papers. piles of paper. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to do that because right. it stinks. And so besides the fact of not being what it is, um, you know, wasting their time where they could be um, dealing with medic- um, you know, people that they you know, could help. Uh, they are also you're you're making them do things they don't want to do. Right, and that dr- that leads to driving them out of the business. Yeah, because they got into the business. Most of the people I've ever spoken with in the healthcare business have told me they got in not to make oodles and oodles of dollars, though it's certainly possible. They got in to help people. Mm-hmm. They got in because uh, they want to help people who are sick or hurting or whatever. And that was the reason they got into the business. And I could see how disheartening it would be. That when you discover that you're going to be spending 33% of your day filling out government forms, that eventually that's going to sort of, you know, it's going to dawn on you that this sucks. (laughs) I'm not helping as many people as I could be. But then again, what are they doing about it? It's not like they're actively standing up against the government. It's not like they're actively rallying against all of these government controls and rules that we have. It's so it's so in place. What was it last? The last number I saw was in a Harry Brown book, and he hasn't published a book. He's dead now unfortunately but he hasn't published a book since the late 1990s the last numbers was um something like 52 percent of all dollars spent in health care were spent by the government and i'm sure that number's higher now it's it's turning these people these medical professionals into bureaucrats yeah yeah and it also in- inflates the cost of, of medical care because for one you've got all these papers to fill out and that's your time spent that you have to charge somewhere sure and the other thing is is that the um, pharmaceutical industry is being subsidized massively by this new system we have. 
because they're being protected and the use of their products is being mandated by the government. Sure, and the protection was there before the new system um, in the form of the FDA. Right, so but it's getting worse. The whole situation is just bad. I, I think it probably what happened was the, I guess it was the American Medical Association probably that sort of went into cahoots with the government many, many years ago thinking they were going to protect uh, their business, you know, protect their doctor status by teaming up with the state. And now here we are. Well, a lot of these organizations are actually trade organizations. They're not even consumer protection organizations. They're there to protect certain That's interests. what I mean. Yeah, the, yeah. A, the AMA is there to protect the, the status of doctors. Like, yeah. They're the people that lobby for rules and regulations that say that uh, even though a nurse may be completely qualified to perform the exact same task, she can't do it because she's not a doctor. Right. Essentially a doctor's union. Yeah. Uh, so the governor's plan, even though it's supposed to get opposition from doctors, hospitals, and insurers, as well as employees and unions, also allegedly contains benefits for them. So they shouldn't oppose this. Schwarzenegger said, I don't think it's a question or a debate if they ought to be covered. The federal courts have made that decision <laughs> that no one can be turned away. The question really isn't to treat them or not to treat them. The question is really how can you treat them in the most cost-effective way. So we'll pass legislation, and that will solve the problem. Unfortunately, as Anthony points Doesn't out... Doesn't sound like a Republican to me. Unfortunately, as Anthony points out, this guy is about to terminate freedom as a result of uh, what he's got planned. All Californians would be required to have insurance, although the poorest would be subsidized under Schwarzenegger's proposal. Businesses with 10 employees or more would have to offer insurance to their workers or pay 4% of their payroll into a state fund. Smaller businesses would be exempt. More details on the way, the dirty details, as to what this proposed health care plan is going to look like. And you should pay attention, even if you're in other states... Because now they're talking about doing this on a nationwide level. More on the way. 800-259-9231. This is your show. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. Whatever's on your mind goes in here with you. Wayne and Mark. And you can join us again uh, on the phones or via email or via the website. 1-800-259-9231. The website is freetalklive.com. All of the features there for you are on the house. And that does include the wiki. We've got over 900 pages created by listeners like you. And you can get in there and edit the wiki for yourself. It's like the listener editable version of our website. Wiki, w-i-k-i.freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Is it the war on drugs? Well, register now for the February New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers include Jack Cole, Executive Director of Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, as well as Rob Campia, Executive Director of the Marijuana Policy Project, plus New Hampshire residents who are working to end the war on drugs. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to get more information and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. So we're talking about the uh, the details on this health care plan that... The Terminator, Arnold, has proposed for California. And now, on its face, these sorts of things sound good to people. On its face, the idea of everyone will have health insurance sounds like a good thing. But there's a problem. And the problem is when government forces people to do things. And in this case, government's going to force business owners... We just just touched into the details on the program. They're going to force business owners 
with 10 or more employees to offer insurance to their workers, or if they don't offer the insurance to their workers, then the business owners will be forced to pay 4% of their payroll into a state fund. And uh, they say smaller businesses would be exempt. But essentially, you're going to be, I mean, 4% of your payroll into a state fund, you're going to be forced at the point of a gun, if you're a business owner, to contribute to this. Well, all it's going to do is, um, you know, wages are what wages are because that's what the market will bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, employers are getting what they, whatever they can in wages because they want to get the, the best wages that they can. And employers are paying as little as they can because they want to, you know, increase the, the bottom line. So um, that's how the market works. And all they're doing is taking 4% out of people's uh, pay and putting it into insurance. And what it's going to be is inefficient insurance because it, the government's involved. Every time the government gets involved and mandates these things, people don't have to work for their money anymore. The government's mandating that they, these insurance companies get their money, and so they don't have to work as hard, so they're going to get uh, worse care. Can you imagine how long you're going to sit in a waiting room, in a doctor's waiting room now with universal health care? Because you're not going to be paying the pay, you're not going to be paying the bill. All those people are going to be, um, are, you know, when when you have insurance, you can go for every sniffle that you want, and um, you know, wh- whereas when you're paying it's in free. cash, yeah, when yeah. you're free. paying in cash, you, you you go you go only so when you need to. So it's going to be used like, and abused, is is what you're saying, right? You know, it's just it, it's 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 a, a mess. And the other thing is, if you're a business owner, put yourself in their place. It's going to discourage you from expanding. Let's just say you have nine employees mm-hmm. right now. Why gonna, bother crossing the line? Yeah, why, why bother crossing the line? Just stay small or get out of the state. Now, I wonder what the, uh, the answer is going to be for the individuals. For instance, if they're going to mandate that everyone in the state has health coverage, and uh, they may cover it here in the, uh, the remaining details, but if you're just an individual who's working for his or herself or working at a business where there's only nine employees, are they going to force you at the point of a gun? Are they going to dock money out of your paycheck? Are they just going to uh, charge you with a crime if you show up at a, at a hospital without a government-approved insurance number? I mean, how's that going to work? So there's all kinds of bad uh, bad reasons. Uh, there are plenty of reasons to be opposed to this program. And one of them, uh, in addition to all of, all of what we've just talked about, is that when the government mandates all of this coverage, as Wayne pointed out, there's just going to be a glut of people going in for all kinds of problems, things that they might normally just get by with on their own, wouldn't be necessarily a, a big issue, but since they've got free health care, they come in and they try to get uh, access to it. Well, as more people try to take advantage of the system in that way, there will be more rules laid down on when you can and when you cannot show up to take advantage of the, the health care system. And as they start laying out one rule after another, it'll just become an endless process of rulemaking. More and more rules will uh, will begin to surround the system and when you can and can't uh, go in and, and actually uh, obtain the health care coverage that you need. Eventually, it may get to the point where, well, there was a story that we didn't get to last night that I will get to here in a moment, where the government starts to dictate to you certain behaviors, where the government starts to tell you that, well, since we're the ones who are insuring you now, since we're the ones who mm-hmm. are providing this coverage, well, now you can't engage in this particular destructive behavior. Now you can't eat fatty foods. Now you can't smoke cigarettes. Now you can't smoke marijuana. Now it's just going down the list of different things that are supposedly bad for you. At Los Angeles, now looking at a trans fat ban, uh, just like New York City did. So these are all sorts of things that are going to come along down the line after the government assumes total control of the system. Now, control of the insurance portion of the system isn't total 
control of the system yet, but it's a major step on the way there. How far are we going to be away once the government takes control of the insurance system and the mandates uh, therein to just having the government say, well, it's clear this isn't working. We're going to need to take uh, seize control of all the hospitals. Well, here it is. It's here it is. And it's uh, the smaller form, though, when when uh, the government forces my company, um, the company that I work for, to put four percent of my pay into a uh, fund mm-hmm. for my health care rather than me being able to buy my own. Um, you know, they're taking 4%. So now I'm in the company's health care policy. The company is then going to tell me, um, look, quit smoking or get out. Mm. Or they're going to tell me, um, look, you need to stop eating so many sugary foods because you've got diabetes and you're fat and you, right. need to, you need to stop or get out. You're running up our rates. Um, and pretty soon they're just not going to hire smokers. They're just not going to hire people Ooh. who who have uh, diabetes. And that's, that's not good. That's how it's going to happen. Also, insurers would be no longer allowed to deny coverage to people because of their medical problems. <laughs> the state would subsidize the estimated 1.2 million poor people who don't currently qualify for state health coverage. They would be able to purchase insurance through a state-run pool and would have to make a small contribution toward their premiums. Schwarzenegger is betting that his plan will save $10 billion U.S. dollars a year by cutting health care costs, he says. He says the savings will offset the new fees that he's asking. Asking? Asking doctors and hospitals to pay 4% of revenue for hospitals and 2% for doctors. So not only will uh, businesses be paying 4% of their payroll into a state system, but doctors and hospitals will also be charged uh, 4% and 2%. Mm. Uh, actually, not not respectively, but in reverse there. The state would also increase what it pays doctors and hospitals through Medi-Cal, the state insurance plan for the poor. The governor was supposed to give his address in person to a panel of health care officials. Instead, he spoke via video link, since he's still recuperating from a broken leg suffered in a skiing accident. Ouch. So, so I guess he got in a little oopsie at the, on the ski slopes, and uh, when he was sitting in the hospital, maybe he got all sentimental about people who were in the hospital, and that's why he decided to propose this idea. I had a near-death experience. Yeah, and so now he's going to uh, shove this system down the throats of every Californian, just like the mass state of Massachusetts uh, is doing it to every Massachusetts resident as well. Yeah, Mitt Romney's a conservative, huh? So, well, <laughs> Arnold's Sports supposed to be a Republican, too. Well, the, not a conservative, though. He, I don't think Arnold ever, ever claimed to be a conservative. I think uh, Mitt Romney has, though. Well, speaking of Massachusetts, the story about uh, there's a story coming out of Massachusetts about some young people who got a report card about their weight. Oh, no. And oh. not about their grades. We'll get into that. Plus, speaking of Massachusetts as well, Ted Kennedy is talking about a universal health plan for all of the United States. And your calls as well about anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line for you. 1-800-259-9231. It is Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got updates. You get signed up. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com to get signed up. That is updates.freetalklive.com. We've been talking about the California plan 
uh, Governor Schwarzenegger's plan to uh, mandate that everyone in the state of California have health insurance coverage. Now, on the on its face, it sounds great. Hey, everybody should have health insurance coverage. It's a sensible idea to have health insurance coverage. It's just the problem is when government force gets involved with anything at all, there's all sorts of unintended consequences that are going to come about. I want to explore those unintended consequences more in a moment. But first, I want to propose a couple of possible solutions. I know, um, Wayne, you wanted to talk about medical savings plans, so hold that, that thought for a moment. But I just want to just throw out the general solution of let's get the government the heck out of health care, period. Because the reason why all these politicians, and there's another article about how Ted Kennedy's talking about how he wants this, he wants these sorts of plans, these mandates for the entire country, and they use the excuse of, well, health insurance is so expensive. Well, health insurance is so expensive because the government continues to apply mandate after mandate to the health insurance industry. In addition, they're insuring an industry that is heavily regulated by the U.S. federal and local and state governments. And because of all those regulations, unlike most um, markets, like, for instance, the computer business, in the computer business, computers get cheaper over time, and you get more for what you what you pay for. You buy a computer for a thousand bucks today, and it's going to be a heck of a lot better than a computer ten years ago. One for of the few bucks. free markets in this country in a long time. Relatively free. Industry, relatively free. They're right. still regulated by the FCC and compliance and all of that. But, but the point is, they're getting better over time. Products getting cheaper and getting better. It is possible to have cheaper and better. The computer industry proves it. Medical care could be the same way. There's certainly the demand for medical care out there. I mean, you can still get by in life without having a computer. Believe it or not, there are people who, in their lives, don't even touch computers, and they're okay. But eventually, you're going to need to have some sort of medical care as you get older. So there's plenty of demand out there. There's no reason why these products, medical products and services, shouldn't be getting cheaper and better over time. More easy to access, more affordable, and just generally better. But unfortunately, it's not working that way. Yeah, new technologies do come out from time to time just because there's such a drive for them. But the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, is shackling medical development. And I don't even know what some of the other bureaucracies are that are, that are involved. Obviously, government's medical, uh, Medicare programs, Medicaid, all these subsidy programs, rules and regulations, governments are uh, strangling the medical industry. And because of that strangling, because of that lack of uh, market competition, prices are going up instead of going down. And since prices are going up, the insurers have to figure out a way to cover those costs, so they have to raise their prices. And as a result, the government says, oh man, this is such a problem. Prices are so high. We're going to need to pass more programs to solve it. When, of course, it was their programs in the first place that caused the problem. This is typical government behavior. They create a program, program creates unintended consequences. Unintended consequences are then used as an excuse to create more programs. So the answer here is not more programs, not no, not more mandates, not more cost fixing or whatever else it is the government's going to come up with. The answer is to get the government completely out of health care and allow the market to provide it. Well, but what about the poor? Well, if the government's out of health care, as we pointed out, costs will go down, so it'll be just more affordable, period, to buy health care out of pocket. Health insurance will become more affordable, and charities would pick up the ball 
for anybody that needed the uh, needed the extra assistance. Hospitals have charity wings, believe it or not. Yeah. Mm. yeah. In medical care, the whole paradigm of care nowadays has gotten so skewed and distorted by government regulation that if you go to a doctor and ask him about preventative care, they'll look at you like you're a Martian. Because their whole um, modality is they're they're treating symptoms. They're not they're not helping you to prevent disease. Mm. And and if you go to a doctor and you want some uh, inexpensive natural treatment, they can't give it to you because he's afraid he's going to get sued for malpractice because it's not a standard practice. Not approved. It's not approved by. It's not the even ap- something he knows about or studies. Right. But see, that's the problem. Is that uh, I know people in in Florida. You probably do too. Older folks that are on twenty or thirty different medications all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what their drug bill is every month? I can't even imagine. It's got to be huge. It's nuts. It's one of the reasons why we see stories from time to time about older people selling, uh, selling drugs. Because they've got to cover the costs. They sell their pills on the street. We're talking about thousands of dollars per month out yeah. of the pockets of elderly people who can't afford it. Mm. And then they have to take out reverse mortgages on their house so they can pay for their drugs. But That's at least the government made that uh, program for them so that they can have nothing to leave to their heirs. Well, and the FDA also protects the med- uh, the medicine industry oh, boy. because they won't allow the holistic providers. And I, some of it's total crap, but some of it, I believe, is actually mm-hmm. effective. Right. I, th- I say whatever works should be able to be you know on the marketplace right. and uh, let the market decide what works. But unfortunately, with the FDA in the game, they don't allow the holistic providers and the, that sort of um, herbal-style medicine. Mm-hmm. They can't make claims. Most drugs are actually derived from plants or herbs. And a lot of these herbs have been around thousands of years and have worked effectively. But you can't put a, a bottle full of herbs on a counter anywhere and put a, you know, a little flyer beneath it or point-of-purchase uh, informational thing that says, we'll cure blah, 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 we'll treat blah, blah, blah. You can't do that. You can't use the word cure because uh, any disease has to be cured by a drug. That's right. just the law. That's what I'm saying. It's so ridiculous. they can't make these claims, and so therefore you really just sort of have to know what what to buy. Someone has to give you a recommendation, sort of quietly, and you have, they have to say, well, "Okay, psst, uh, if you if you go and get this uh, root uh, from the healthcare store, then it might help you with your problem. It might help your discomfort." You know, there's all these key words and code words that, that people. Yeah, have to you use. have. It's, it's very critical how you say it. You can make structure function health claims as of 1994 because of the Deshay law. That, it was called the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act. It created a new category under the FDA, which basically they call a nutraceutical, which is a food that has pharmaceutical effect in the body. Mm. As long as you have research to back up what you're saying, you can say, well, this increases your, t- your T-cell count. That's a structure function claim. You're not saying it cures cancer or anything like that, but you can say certain things, but you have to be very careful what you say and how you say it. The reason why you have to be really careful isn't because the market's going to punish you. It's because the FDA is going to come in there. Right. Uh, with guns a-blazing in some yeah. cases. And I mean it. They will kick in the doors of health uh, healthcare shops. Not mm. uh, Healthcare shops, not the right word. What's like the vitamins places with all the nutri... Clinics, too, by Clinics. the way. They'll kick in people's doors if they're selling something that's not approved. Or they're, they're selling something with claims that they're not supposed to be making. There have been health clinics where they've treated uh, people, like for cancer, for example, with non-conventional methods and have been very successful. Never had one complaint from a patient, and the FDA goes in there with with um, with guns and shuts them down. But people are going to worry, Wayne. What about the snake oil salesman? If we got rid of the FDA, mm-hmm. what about the people that would just cook up a, some sort of concoction in their kitchen and then start claiming that it's going to cure AIDS and that sort of thing? I mean, what about them? Well, that's why you've got to have research to back up your claims on a product. If you've got scientific research independent that you're not paying for. Uh, that shows that your product does this or that. That's that's good uh, due diligence. You know, and people, 
people can uh, claim whatever they want about their product. If I take, if I have a disease and I take the product and the product doesn't do anything for it, then I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to make a recommendation to my friend who has the right. same problem. And, and at some point or another, um, you know, it's just going to peter away. Independent it's organizations. Do what it says it's going to do. Right. Independent third party testing organizations like Consumer Reports and that sort of thing would be Johnny on the spot when it comes to oh, those yeah. sorts of providers. And Underwriters Laboratories. There's so right. many different independent uh, testing agencies that and besides, could be employed. There's still plenty of quackery out there today. Plenty of it. And they get away with it for a long time. I mean, there's all kinds of just well, garbage. Yeah, but the second or, le- or third leading cause of death in America every year is pharmaceuticals. And they're supposed to be safe. Yeah. I thought it was, uh, at one point or another, it was uh, heart disease, uh, it was AIDS, and then it was lung disease. But AIDS has slipped down um, the the old ladder. But I don't know. Let's go to the phones and talk to William in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hello, hey guys. Hey, what's on your mind? I uh, work. I work at a government-run hospital for a contractor. A government-run hospital in America? Oh yes. Uh, is it a VA it's, hospital? No, it's not a VA hospital. Huh, I didn't know there were other government-run hospitals. I'd like you to explain. If you can hang on, we're going to bring you back. 800-259-9231. I thought it was just the VA. I thought that was the only government-run hospital, so I'm curious about this. Your calls as well about anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the packet 8 toll-free line, one 800 259 9231, Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, that we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by, for instance, becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn what that's all about. Essentially, it allows you to support the show for three bucks a month. And it's above and beyond everything that we do for free on our website because the entire site is on the house. So this is a voluntary choice. Over 300 of our listeners, uh, 300 of them, have decided to become Free Talk Live amplifiers. And actually, there's a few of them that I've yet to process. And I I thank you for your patience as you wait for me to slowly get around to uh, processing the amplifiers. Oh, and thanks if you aren't patient, too. (laughs) And so head over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn about the program. Essentially, it's a simple concept. You send in three bucks a month. We turn it around into promoting the show. We get the show on more radio stations. We get more Internet listeners, and it's working. Amp.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to William in Tennessee. William, we're back on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Yeah, I was uh, talking to uh, I work for a government-run hospital, and, uh, and the quality of the care, um, I'll give you for instance. Okay. Uh, my wife and I uh, had our first child. Um, at a privately run, uh, for-profit hospital. Okay. And the birthing room was really nice, you know, nicely lit with uh, wood furniture, wood paneling on all of the cabinets and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the amenities of a nice hotel room. The birthing rooms in our hospital are what you would think from a 1950s hospital. <laughs> Wow. I mean, they're so, like, cold and just, you know, the the idea is to crank them out as fast and as cheaply as you can. Why, um, I mean, why is there a government-run hospital in Tennessee? What What's the reason for it? Oh, we have um, a huge, everybody expect, here expects the government to pay for their health care for some reason. It is, um, 
TenCare is our Medicaid Mm -hmm. program. And um, and it's not just for low income. If you're, um, if you're, uh, I guess, lower middle class, you can sometimes get on the system Mm -hmm. if you're uninsurable. Um, or you can pay. It, it's based on your ability to, ability to pay, and the system's almost bankrupt. It's like completely insolvent. But wow. Yes, so it, wait. So let me see if I understand this correctly. You're telling me that the Ten Care, the local state Medicare program, the Ten Care program has uh, Medicaid. The Ten Care, Ten Cade. I'm sorry. Was it Ten Care or Ten Cade? It's, it's Ten Care. It's Medicaid. Medicare and Medicaid are two different things. Right. Uh, Ten Care. Okay, so it's TenCare, but it's Medicaid on a state level. Right. All right. So TenCare has grown to the point where it's so large they actually had to create a government hospital. How many government hospitals are there in the state of Tennessee? Um, usually, if it's attached to like a public university, I don't want to. I don't want to say the, the which one I work for, but if it's ta- attached to a public university, it's generally a um, publicly owned. Gotcha. healthcare system and the uh, and the administrators um, attached to it are bureaucrats and the last thing that you want is a bureaucrat overseeing your health care I can only imagine now why are you working for this place I mean did you just not work, have any other options no 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 I, I I work for a contractor and we service all kinds of hospitals both public and private I see so you get to go into different places and this is just one of the places that you happen to go in and do work right this is the place that I'm assigned to oh so you're there all the time then oh yes oh my Wh- um what yes. are some other things that uh, that you've seen go on um well uh, the um the availability of health care when it's free to people there are people that literally check themselves into the emergency room once a week at our hospital. The same people? The, the same person, yes, will come every single week with some sort of pay. <laughs> it sounds, pay. Like, oh, sounds like Otis the Drunk on Andy Griffith. It, that's exactly what it, is, what, wow. what it is. But they don't have to pay, so what's it to them? Come on in. Yep, amazing. You know what? Um, we got to let you go. Your phone's a little bit iffy, but thank you for the call. And call us again with uh, more government hospital stories because they're very educational i think they're very instructive to people out there that just believe in this fantasy that government can effectively provide health care to people it right. can't once it's free then people don't have any value for it for instance um I, a friend of mine uh, as, as you know i used to be a volunteer firefighter and i had a friend of mine who's a uh, firefighter a professional firefighter and mm-hmm. um they said well you know there's all kinds of people that uh, essentially just call the ambulance just to get a ride to the hospital you know, how many times how, how do people go to the hospital don't really need an ambulance? Right. I think every time I've gone to the hospital, whether it's to take somebody else, my friend cut his hand, or my um, nephew cut his hand on a uh, miter saw. Get in the Pretty car. big deal. Yeah. yeah. I, I gave him a towel. I said, get in the car. I figured I could, get, you know, I'm, I'm five minutes sure. away from the hospital. I can get in there faster than the ambulance can get from there to my house and get him back. Heck yeah, you Why can. do that? Um, so, you know, I got him in the put him in my car and took him off. He didn't bleed on anything. Did you run some red lights and stuff? No. Oh, I didn't need to. There's not really that many red lights between there. Probably stop signs. You know, Ian. You know, as you know, I'm a big proponent of medical savings plans. That's what I wanted to get into next. Is another possible option for people. What's that? What is that? First well, basically, right now, let's just say you have a family of four, and you're paying, say, oh, thousand dollars a month for your health insurance, Oof. and you've got a deductible. Let's say, and basically, you're taking a thousand dollars and you're throwing it down a rat hole. Mm-hmm. Every sure. Month. And, and especially if you're healthy, like like we are. 
Right, so, I'm a young person, so it yeah, would you're be a waste of money. You're not going to use it. So there's a new plan that, that was recently developed um, by a libertarian-minded person called the Medical Savings Account or Medical Savings Plan. And what it does is basically it, it, it requires you to take out a high-deductible insurance policy, say $5,000 deductible or a $2,500 deductible. Okay. So you're not going to get you're not going to tap into it much. Right. Uh, the one that I have unless it's is, something critical that happens. Right. right. And that's what'll break you. You know, 25 or you know $100, $200 here or there is not really going to break you, but right. if you get hit with a if you broke a leg or something, had to go to the emergency room, then you're going to get hit with a big bill. So okay. you won't have insurance for that. And then uh so let's just say that I take that $1,000 a month, but let's just say that that um 400 of it goes to that high deductible um, insurance plan, and then the other 600 of okay. it goes into a, a savings account that I can only use for medical expenses, including pharmaceuticals if I need them. Uh, Who administrates that? Well, there, there are companies, insurance companies do administrate it. Uh, I use one particular one, but there are many now that do it. Mm-hmm. And what it does is it puts uh, the medical care back in my hands. It, I can make choices to minimize um, my my premium, but also how much money I can build up in my account, because th- that money keeps building up like an IRA. It's like an IRA on steroids. They pay I, interest? Uh, it does, and I can also use it for retirement. It doesn't go away at, at the end of every year. It keeps mm-hmm. building up. So if I don't use that money, I, it just keeps building up with you interest. you have to report it to the IRS? You only have to um, report money that you took out for non-medical expenses. So you can withdraw it for other reasons? You could, but you don't want to get into that. Right. It's basically there for medical expenses. It can build up as large as it wants. You get paid interest on it. What kind of rates are we talking about? Not 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 great, but better I mean, than a savings account. Or um, about the same. Roundabouts. About the same. Yeah. Huh. But the the nice thing is is that if you need to have health insurance, which a lot of us do, uh, at least you're not throwing all the money down the rat hole. And it, it comes out pre-tax. So yes, there's exactly. a there's a big savings as far as that goes. What do you mean pre-tax? Um, it's pre-tax dollars as opposed to post-tax dollars. I don't understand. Um, you make forty, you know, your salary is forty thousand dollars a year. Okay. But uh, ten, ten or fifteen thousand dollars of it goes to income tax. Okay. Well, um, you can, uh, your pre-tax the, the pre-tax dollars are the forty thousand. Right. So you take the money out of that, um, you know, that number, mm-hmm. and then it's uh, your your taxes are discounted. Words, that yeah. Number. In other words, every penny you put into that is basically. Uh, Tax deductible, because you're not uh, you're not using it for your personal expenses. You're using it for medical if you take it out at all. So wait a minute. How is it that you avoid taxes on it? It's that uh, your biz- the company you work for pays into the account. Or you could you could your, yourself if you're self-employed. Right. So for somebody like me who is self-employed, you can still open one of these medical savings accounts. Yeah. And they're, go they're, they're that terrific, process. especially if you're a healthy person. Now I did see an article about a now, month wait, wait, ago. Wait, hold on. Why is it better than just putting money into a savings account? Well, because you could put money into a savings account, but if you do get in a car accident or have a serious condition, mm-hmm. that can wipe you out. I mean, a, a week in a hospital can wipe you out. And money in a savings account, you can't put in there pre-tax. I see. That's true, too, yeah. Because, you know, if you, take, if you get money, you get paid that money, and you do whatever you want with it, whether you buy uh, ginger ale or, mm-hmm. um, you know, pay car payments or mortgage payments or put it in a savings account. Whereas with, um, you know, the, because of the medical savings account, you're allowed to take it out pre-tax, and that's a, mm-hmm. that's a very big advantage. Yeah, but it does give you incentive to keep yourself healthy because it's nice to see the balance on that account keep going up rather mm-hmm. than down. Yeah. Sure. And I saw an article uh, about medical savings plans about a month ago where somebody was complaining that all the healthy people are doing these and we're not going to have enough healthy people to, su- to support all the sick, stupid people who are uh, living bad lifestyles. And, and, <laughs> really? I bet yeah. that's true. But that you still have an insurance account. It's just not a, as... It's just a larger deductible. It's a larger deductible, and for for me, it's combined per year for the whole family. So if I I never hit it, so 
Uh, we just pay. I pay for all the kids' uh, medical bills and dental bills and everything right out of that account. Out of the savings account. Yes. Got it. 800-259-9231 is the packet eight toll free line for you. Hour number two is on the way. Still got to talk about the story. Report cards for fatness. It's coming up. Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off Hour 2. You can bring up whatever you want toll-free. 800-259-9231 is the number. You can, again, take control of the airwaves. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Unlike those other radio talk show hosts, we give away all the features on our site. That, again, freetalklive.com. We spent uh, pretty much all of hour number one talking about various different healthcare-related regulations that are being proposed. The state of California, for instance, wants to mandate that everybody have health insurance coverage. And we talked about the possible uh, unintended consequences that could uh, come out of that, because whenever government mandates something, whenever government creates a new program, creates a new law, there are always unintended consequences. You can be sure somebody is going to get it. Right. It's the law of unintended consequences. And then we pointed out that when the unintended consequences happen, and as in the case of health care, Government has been so involved for so long that healthcare is the industry of healthcare operates in reverse as to how it should. Prices should be dropping. Care should be getting more accessible, more affordable, a better quality. But those things aren't really happening. It's going sort of in reverse or at least slowing down. There's still some quality care available, but it's more available if you can pay cash. And it's just been sort of slowing down the development of new technologies. Um, Wayne, we were talking during the break that patents are another factor as well. You were mentioning that there's a number of plants, for instance, in the rainforest that could be very useful in helping some people with certain conditions, right? Yeah, in fact, there's, there are plants in the rainforest, there are, over, there are hundreds of thousands of species of plants that haven't even been uh, really studied or discovered yet that could also be very beneficial. But for thousands of years, healthcare uh, practitioners in other countries like in China and South America have used uh, plant-based therapies. They're much less expensive, and they don't require any patents because you can't patent a plant. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of drugs that are developed um, for conditions that already have natural cures available. But you can't call it a cure if it's natural. It has to be a drug to call it a cure. It's mm. completely ridiculous and insane it's a mess. and stupid. And as a result, we've got less access, we've got less choice, and higher prices. Yeah, and you wonder how... You, I mean, you hear all the time about there's a shortage of nurses. Um, you know, my wife is a nurse, and I'll tell you something. There's a lot of nurses that leave the profession because they just get so disgusted. They're tired of it. Yeah, they're tired of all the baloney. And these are uh, people who are good people. They are people that want to help others. That's why they got into the business. They don't want to spend their time filling out paperwork and jumping through bureaucratic hoodles and, uh, hurdles and hoops. Also, their hands are tied as to what kind of care they can give the patient. It's true. Um, because, for instance, even though they may be all as qualified as... You're still laughing about hoodles, aren't you? <laughs> hoodles and poops. <laughs> you're, uh, even though they may be as qualified to take care of a patient, by law, they may be prevented because they don't have... The uh, doctor, lo, uh, the doctor symbol after their name, PhD, or the treatment doesn't doesn't fall under the standard of care that the so-called mucky mucks have have laid out for them, which is expensive and and cumbersome. I remember there was one story that um, Torgo, one of our uh, former co-hosts, told us. His wife at the time was a nurse, 
She had plenty of training. She had the exact same training in the case, uh, in in her case, that many of the doctors in in her hospital had. And there was one story. I don't remember the exact details, but essentially the story was that she had to stand there and watch as a patient in her wing suffered from some sort of malady, some sort of problem that she could have handled, that she knew exactly what she could have done to help this person. But she had to just sit there and page a doctor. Yep, she wasn't allowed to do anything because that's the rule. She had to sit and watch this man suffer. And it was really just a sad story. And just one example. That's how the AMA is helping you, America. Right, just (laughs) one example of how this system is so screwed up. And now they're going to screw it up even worse by giving, uh, by having mandated government health care, mandated government insurance, more mandates. In fact, my suggestion was, again, this is something we were talking about during the break. My suggestion was that I think they're trying to bankrupt the insurance companies. Maybe that's not Why their Why would they want to do that? Well, the insurance companies will just pass it on to everybody else, too, as much as they can. True. But eventually, I mean, with, with rules like California's proposing, where the insurance companies are going to be mandated by law to accept anyone, regardless of their pre-existing conditions, those costs are going to get passed on, yes, but people are not going to want to pay them eventually. It's all going to b- but build no, up. But no, businesses are re- required to put 4% of employees' uh, pay, basically, away for um, government-mandated insurance. They have to have the insurance. It's going so, into a government fund. It's not, a business, uh, it's not the business's own account. It's just going to be paid into the government. Well, they'll just raise the amount. I understand that, but eventually it's going to get to a point where it's really, really messy, and the government's going to have to say, well, we're going to have to step in. Right, they're going to step in. You know, guys, I was just writing a piece on this about property and health care, and if you think about it, as the government can takes over more uh, control over our lives, um, you know, that, that whole assumption that we own our bodies, that our bodies are our property, mm-hmm. well, at some level, that starts to creep in that maybe the government owns our bodies. So sure. It's just like when you rent a house. You know, you could take good care of that house, but you're not going to take as good a care of it as if you own it, if you Ooh, really know you point. own it. And and so if you really feel the government's responsible for your body and they own your body, even though you don't consciously say they own my body, you're acting as if they do by making them responsible for your health. And there's no incentive to take care of yourself. Well, and, like, and also like our last caller in hour number one said, you give people so-called free health care. He's got – he worked at a, a government hospital. He sees the same guys come in every week to the emergency room. Oh, it's, you know, yeah. The point that uh, Wayne's making is if, uh, if you have free maintenance on a vehicle but you have to pay for the gasoline and the oil changes, mm-hmm. I would think that oil changes could slip – um, you know, from 3,000 miles to 6,000 miles. Maybe you never, never do them because they're going to replace gonna the, the engine. engine for free every mm-hmm. time. That's right. But I have to pay $20 to get my oil changed. Ooh. If they're going to do free service, boy, I'm going to beat the crap out of that thing, too. Let's go to Dave in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. I can't believe the blasphemy I hear against the Church of Insurance. Don't you know you must pay your tribute every month to the Church of Insurance to access the altar of medicine? Well, Screw them. And you must grovel at the feet of the, the, the priests of the <laughs> altar of medicine. Well, Dave, you know, there's nothing specifically wrong with insurance. It's the government mandates that are the problem. Well, the insurance controls everything. They they control our very lives, man. Everything is is uh, ruled by uh, your your you know your uh, policy. You know. <laughs> well, there's certain. There's no doubt, Dave, that the insurance providers uh, are certainly there's tied guy, in close to the government. There's a guy. His name is uh, Mr. Pay. 
in, in it's in Florida. Okay. The guy, he moved from New Jersey to Florida. He's in a wheelchair. Wheelchair. He's chronic pain. Right. That right. His his uh prescription ran out, and the New Jersey doctor wasn't going to write. Oh no yeah, more. we they know this story. So the Florida guys, they weren't going to give it to him because they think he's just doing it to get high. Right. And <laughs> and now this guy, he went in and. And forged his uh, prescription paper. Boom! Twenty-five years in jail. Yeah, well, they, we're not sure if he actually because they, the government didn't give him permission yeah. to alleviate his pain on his own. Well, actually, because, Dave, you, you're, we're not sure if he forged the papers or if his doctor in Jersey actually did it and is just claiming that he didn't do it. But either way, you're right. The man's serving twenty-five is, years in jail. Very, and it's, sick. it's craziness. Yeah. Uh, and he's not the only one. We talked about that story, and there was another woman in Florida who I think she had like her mom's pill bottle with her, and happened yeah. to have happened to have a, a pill bottle with a different name on it, and she's in, uh, going in for 25 years. In the creed of this country, in the Declaration of Independence, it says we are given certain unalienable rights given up to us by our Creator, and one of them is that you could use the gifts of what the Creator gave us. And use them to alleviate pain. Not anymore, Dave. Now the government owns you. That's what the message is. When they say you they can't... They own you, they own the plants, they own yeah. the ground, they own the air. No way. And and just like Sitting Bull told his people, people, you're, you're becoming slaves for a little piece of bacon and some sugar. And we don't and... even know it. People in America don't even realize that they're slaves. That's the ultimate scam. Dave, thanks for the call. Yeah. We appreciate it, sir, as always. 800-259-9231. I mean, that's the situation we have today. The, the people in America are enslaved without actually having a taskmaster standing nearby. Right. We're going to become we're going to become the slaves of the government for affordable health care. Well, no, no, no. We're already there, Mark. They take a percentage of your income every uh, every week in your paycheck, and you can't you can't just say no. They're going to take it because they've got force on their side, well, and they're not afraid to use it. They you know don't what? take it; they ask you for it. I'm going to take care of myself anyway. What do you mean? Well, you know, you, you could say to yourself, well, why should I take care of myself? The government's going to pay for it, and, and if I don't use it, then somebody else is going to use it, and I'm paying for it. So why yeah. not just use it myself? I'm with you. I'm going to take care of myself as much as possible. But not yeah. everybody is. That's true. Uh, 800-259-9231. Sean in Arizona, your calls as well about anything. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. Fat Report Card's coming up. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything, toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's one 800 259 9231, the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site there are totally free, including the live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version as well, both waiting for you, freetalklive.com. What do Adam Smith, Karl Marx, and John Maynard Keys have in common? Well, they're all the subjects of laissez-faire books, January Lysander Spooner Award. Hey. In this new in this new book, uh, Mark Skosen turns his eye on the three most prominent figures in economics. Check out the Big Three in economics and other books and videos at Liberty on Liberty at uh, lfb.com. Laissez-faire books, lfb.com. We're talking healthcare and all the terrible ideas that government has in store for that industry. But we're going to the phones as well. Let's talk to Sean in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, Mark. How you guys doing, man? Hey, good, Sean. What's on your mind? Hey, Sean. Well, I just wanted to, because uh, it's getting real scary down here, especially when you hear Ted Kennedy talking about uh, mandating health care for all citizens. Yep, he's talking and, about it. 
Hey, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but I was originally from Toronto, Canada okay. before I moved down to Phoenix, Arizona. So I got a lot of experience with universal health care. And I can tell you one thing. Prior to moving down here to the States, I thought, because it was indoctrinated through the public education system in Canada, mm. that we had the greatest health care system in the world. And I didn't know any better. And it wasn't until I came down to the States. And when I first came down here, I've got to tell you, I was, you know, because the stuff that's pounded into your head about American health care in Canada, you know, if you don't have money, they're going to let you die on the gurney, for example. That's mm. just pounded into your head. Right. And I was, I was worried when I came down here. I figured, oh, I'm not going to get private health insurance. It's going to be horrible, man. They need universal health care down there. <sighs> and I can tell you right now, I can go to any doctor I want to go to here. They treat you well because it's a business, so they have an incentive to treat you well. Because if they're not treating patients well, nobody's going to go to them. Right. And they'll be out of business. Compared to Canada, I had a doctor, and I'm going to say his name, too. His, do- his name was Dr. Silversberg. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. And he was my, allegedly, <laughs> and he was my family doctor all my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I married a Mexican woman, and when she came to Canada, she was used to a private health care system. And I took her to see Dr. Um, Silversberg there uh, just for a checkup. And it was a six-week uh, six list or a six-week wait to get in to see him. When he got in there, my wife just did not get along with him at all. Okay. I said, don't worry about it. We'll go change doctors. When I went to go and change doctors, they took my Ontario health care card and slid it through their little um, reader there for the computer. And any new doctor that we tried to get would say, oh, it seems you're already signed on with Dr. Silversberg. I said, yeah, I've been with him all my life. They said, oh, if you already have a doctor, you can't change. Hmm. It, so it that was, was ridiculous. It. It, it, that, that was it for that. You that got was your doctor. Average of, you got an average of six-month waiting list for an MRI. Um, you know, doctors get paid the same there whether they see you for five minutes or 30 minutes. So the quicker they get you in and out, the better it is for them. So right. even though you'd known this doctor for your entire life, you probably had some sort of level of rapport be, uh, built up with him. How would you compare his level of friendliness and uh, just generally the office staff in comparison in, in Canada to what you've experienced so far in the United States? Oh, it's, it's like night and day, which prior to coming down to the States, I didn't realize like I said, down here, the doctors are really interested in your well-being because they want your business. They want you to come back to them. Whereas Dr. Silversberg in Canada, he would just kind of blow you off. Oh, don't worry about that here. Just take this. And just he'd get you, The faster he got you in and out of his office, the better it was for him. Yes, it's not because he's a bad guy or anything. It's that what he, that's what he's incentivized the to do. The economics. There's no incentive for him to treat you well. Right. His incentive is to move you through. His incentive is to get you out so he can get somebody else in because the more people he moves through, the more he gets paid. And oh, he's got to see people. And you guys are going to love this one. I just want to throw this one other thing by and I'll let you guys continue on there. Right. There's signs in every doctor's office in, in, uh, in Ontario, Canada. Now, I don't know about the other provinces. I'm sure it's fairly similar. But there are signs in every doctor's office in Ontario that say uh, only one issue per visit. So if you have a problem with your knee and your back, you've got to make two different uh, appointments. It's, it's ridiculous. Holy crap. Wow. That is a mess. And coming yeah. to America. Absolutely. And what if you need something specific done, like not something that a general practitioner can handle, but I don't know, um, you've got an ear, nose, and throat issue, for instance. Well, you have to see your family doctor first, and then they will refer you to a specialist. Could see that. Every, everything's socialized there, so it's all got to it's all got to go according to the books, the government's books of how they want things. So you done. have to sit and wait six weeks before you can even see the doctor for him to look at you to say, okay, you need to go here. Oh uh, yes. Absolutely. Wow. 
That's six weeks on average. Sometimes I've had to wait eight. Sometimes I've gotten in there in two weeks. But so, yet yeah. everybody va- everybody lauds the Canadian system as though it's just the most wonderful thing since sliced bread. And All right. And in contrast, the the American the United States system seems better, but it was much better thirty or forty years ago. Sure. When I was a kid, I remember there were still doctors that made house calls. Yeah. When I was really little, I I was, that doesn't what, what happen happened in, in those days. It was it's a single payer. Yeah, it was a single payer system. I, I remember my grandfather. One time, I was really young, and my son or my brother got sick. My younger brother, and the doctor came to the house. He lived up the street. He just walked out of the house with his bag. My grandfather gave him like a ten dollar bill. You said what happened to those days? What happened to those days? Government regulation, my friend. It just keeps uh, just keeps growing and growing. And the more the government continues to step in, the more like Canada we're going to be. Oh, and it's, it just gets worse once they get a socialist system in. I remember about six or seven years ago, uh, a premier in British Columbia, when we were talking about a two-tier system, a possible two-tier system in Canada, and a premier in British Columbia stood up and said, no one in this country has a right to buy their way to better health care. Everybody is on the same level. And that really blew my mind. Wow. Yeah, that that was that was unbelievable. But you wouldn't have to buy your way to it if it were less expensive. If you had a free market, it they would don't be understand an ex- that. It would be inexpensive. Everyone deserves it, Wayne. In I hope Canada. they're listening. I hope they're listening to us right now. Well, I hope uh, I hope some other people are listening and getting sick and tired of what states like California and Massachusetts are doing to them, and what uh, people like Ted Kennedy and uh, the rest of the people in D.C. are looking to do. If to they us. want socialized medicine, go to Canada, enjoy their socialized medicine. Go to California; it's, it's going right to be there, there soon, or at least allow some of us to opt out of it if we don't want to be in it. Yeah. So this is just one more reason for people who, um, and anybody who should be concerned with their health, people who are concerned with health really need to look at the Free State Project as an option because, honestly, it's the only chance. Hey, thank you for the call, Sean. We really appreciate it. Great information, especially about the brainwashing that goes on, the indoctrination into the system, because I was looking at this story about how uh, Ted Kennedy, uh, CBS News and the Associated Press reporting that he's pushing for this universal health care insurance care uh, plan like California is going to have, like Massachusetts has now. They're going to push this on a nationwide level, and they use Karen Davis of the Commonwealth Fund, which conducts health research, told lawmakers to look at Denmark as a model for the United States. She says that the na- that nation pays doctors a capped rate for each of their patients, like in Canada, plus additional amounts when they perform a service. Each doctor handles about 1,500 patients, and they can handle walk-ins and same-day appointments, says she. And Denmark residents love their health care system, she said, just like Sean from Arizona really <laughs> loved his health care system when he was living in Canada after he'd been raised by the Canadian government, gone to Canadian school, and essentially had uh, propaganda shoved down his throat telling him that he's in the w- most wonderful of health care systems in the entire world. Wow. You, can have, you can have no doubt that Denmark has a similar propaganda system in place to brainwash their citizens into believing the same thing. They all do. They yeah. have to because their system stinks and they need they need reinforcement. They don't want you to find out otherwise. And if that's government all propaganda. You, yeah, and if that's all you ever know, then like Sean in Arizona, you wouldn't know any better until you experienced something better. And that's when it all comes crashing home. Oh, my gosh, I've been duped. More on the way, 800-259-9231. But we still don't have a free market in health care. That's where we need to go. This is your show, Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com.
This is Free Talk Live. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. Talking about some health care concepts at the moment. 1-800-259-9231 is the Packet 8 toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Dr. Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the choices and options that you'll see on the site are completely free for the taking. So do enjoy those, and that does include archives and entire year's worth of the show is right there on the front page of the website. You just go and download them for free at freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, attaining economic and personal freedoms in America's freest state. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th of 2007, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And that's going to be here before you know it. So start making plans. It's going to be the the very end of February, and I know we're planning on being there. We're going to be doing a couple of live shows from there, and uh, I think you're going to be hosting a couple of panels, Mark. I'm going to be, be sitting, doing something. I'm going to be sitting on a panel. MC something. And we're going to have uh, Irina Goddard, the organizer of the entire event. She's going to be on the show, I believe, this Saturday night. So maybe if you've got a question about the forum, that'd be a great time to call in and ask it. I mean, you can always email her through the website, but if you want to get it on the air... Great opportunity for you. We've been talking about health care throughout most of the show here tonight because, well, it's an important issue. I mean, health care is something that everyone in their life will have to deal with at some point, yes. whether they like it or not. And there's a huge section of the population that's going to be needing more and more health care. The baby boomer bulge in our population mm-hmm. in the next 10 or 20 years uh, is going to need health care. They'll be sick. There are going to be problems, and I don't know how they're going to fund that. I just yeah, don't know. It's going to be a mess because the government continues to in uh, to interfere in the healthcare business, continues to uh, impose mandates, and all of these things are going to raise costs and make it more difficult for people to get their hands on the the coverage and the care that they need. And the government's going to eventually use it as an excuse. All of the unintended consequences it's already created, it's going to use those consequences as an excuse to expand its control of the industry even further to the point where. People are already proposing universal health care systems for the United States. That's not the solution. As we pointed out, the solution is to get back to a free market health care system. And no, we don't have a free market health care system today. You can tell because the government is spending the vast majority of dollars in the health care system. Basically, we have a controlled, government-controlled disease management system. And it's a mess. Let's go to the phones and talk to Fred in Montana listening on KGEZ or on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Fred. Hey, Fred. What's on your mind? Uh, number one, uh, we don't have we we don't have a free market in this country. As long as you have quotas, quotas, affirmative action, minimum wage, and all the other junk they show down our throats. We haven't had a free market in uh, a long, in a long time. But anyway, getting back to health care, uh, you know, the government and, and insurance companies are the second and third largest bureaucracies besides government in this country. But it's, I, I was told I had diabetes, Doc. And I found a study where, where uh, there was a connection between, because I'm 66 years old. Mm-hmm. Most people my age grew up on white bread, and they found out there was a bleach. They used the, to bleach the wheat white, which has created all this diabetes. That's one of the things that's created a lot of the diabetes really? in this country. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, you, know you, look, well, you look at the food most Americans eat. You know, it's all, nothing but garbage, you know. Uh, oh heck! What was I going to say? It's okay, the nurse. Okay. You were saying the nurse couldn't help somebody. Number one, the nurse isn't carrying insurance like the doctors have to carry. That's if she true. hurt that patient, she could be sued. Yeah, because of our courts are so screwed up. Mm. The insurance companies, you know, 
you know, Dave mentioned something about the insurance company. The guy, you know, the guy, the insurance companies. Well, I'm sorry, they're creating a lot of these problems. You know, and we we just sit back and we allow this stuff to happen. Yeah, um, it's true because we we just we're just not either we're not paying attention or if we do happen to hear the news, uh, we're too busy to care, and it's oh, a that's huge what I problem. To say. I went to a I went to a thing with Congressman Rick Hill when he was Congressman from the state of Montana. Okay. He was really a good guy. But anyway, we're talking about health care. I made a statement saying, what would be the cost of health care if we eliminated Medicare, Medicaid, and all insurance policies and went back to the ability to pay? He said health care costs would probably drop two-thirds of what they are right now. I wouldn't doubt that. I believe I wouldn't too. doubt it either because right now, you know, like in Canada, the guy said, heck, you get a runny nose, run to the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, run to the doctor, you know. It's me, sick, because it's, it's free. Crap. Huh? Because it's, it's free. it's all for free, yeah, supposedly yeah. for free. So taxing cool. the hell out of you. Right. But I just, uh, Hillsdale College in, in, in Michigan sends me, their, sends me their newsletter every month. It's called The Imprimis. Okay. And they have a really good article on this one, Freedom versus Non-Freedom. And it talks about, you know, the, you know, the countries that are free are prosperous, the countries that are not free are not prosperous. It's true. And the power walls that are facing this country right now, because we're losing our freedom little by little, and we're also losing our prosperity. But anybody can pick this article up by going to www.hillsdale, H-I-L-L-S, Dale, D-A-L-E, dot E-D-G, E-D-U, I'm sorry. E-D-U, Education. yeah. That's actually one of the few, uh, like what, one of two or three fully private colleges in the That's United right. States. Yeah, I think it's it the only no one tax money in whatsoever. some category. It takes no tax money whatsoever. Right, and that's because I believe the founder was a pretty libertarian-esque dude. Mm-hmm. And, he was. And he essentially said, I guess they tried to uh, get him into the tax system or whatever. They tried to get him into the government system. And he right. basically took a look at all the rules they wanted him to follow to get his hand. No way, he said. He said, forget <laughs> you. And he did but it all. This article was written, he gave a speech. This, this is a Russian economist gave a speech at Hillsdale College. Mm-hmm. And they always print the speeches of these, you know, you know people who give speeches there, you know. Right. And this freedom versus non-freedom is one of the fabulous, is really a fabulous article. But the parallels between Russia and the United States are almost identical. They're striking. We talked about the uh, the uh, the ten communist planks last week on this show, and we've reached we've reached solidly six of the ten co- uh, communist planks, and we're getting there on some of the other ones. I mean, it's just oh, we're, amazing. We're also at the thing. Every civilization goes from goes from. Uh, from uh, from bondage to spiritual faith, spiritual faith to great courage, great courage to liberty, liberty to abundance, abundance to selfishness, to selfishness to complacency, complacency to apathy, apathy to dependency, and dependency right back to bondage. And right now we're at the dependency end of that mm. end of that thing. Thank Going you. For the... And we're getting ready to go back into bondage. Fred, thanks for the call. We appreciate uh, hearing from you. It's not too late. We can get back to liberty, but it's going to take a uh, a mass awakening of the sleeping. Uh, the sleeping giant in America, those individuals who are normally apathetic when it comes to political things, who normally they just want to go on with their lives, they just want to do their thing, they just want to be left alone, they hate politics. And I understand, I hate politics too, but I hate it so much that I have to be involved because uh, politics hates me. And so it's just gonna, just a nasty little fight that I'm going to continue to fight uh, for the rest of my life until I'm free. So I wish more people would adopt that mentality, because if more people would adopt a uh, pro-liberty mindset in this country, we wouldn't have the problems we do today. And then once you're free, you'll be maintaining it by being eternally vigilant. Right. If Indeed. people if people knew that they were being enslaved little by little, they'd do something about sure. it. Sure. 
if they were going to be enslaved a lot, right, at one point, they'd sure do something about it. But They'd be screaming from the rooftops. They just don't know. They don't feel it. Yep. And the government dangles carrots in the process. Greg, in Ohio, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian Wayne and Mark. Hey, how you guys doing? Great. Well, uh, Greg, what's on your mind? I got. I wanted to talk about a uh, congressman from uh, my state of Ohio in the 17th district, Tim Ryan. Okay. He's been a. He he has been for the middle class and for the working people, and he's been talking about this stuff with 9/11. He's been talking about giving the middle class tax cuts. How Bush has really screwed everybody in America, and how he's lied. I had a clip, a minute clip, if you guys would want to listen to it. I don't really like listening to politicians. It's uh, good, man. And it's, it's he's not really. I don't consider him a politician. I think he's one of, just for the people, and he's he's one of us. Is there a website? And, yeah, if you could maybe um, email the clip or or something like that, so well, we can he, review it. I just can't. Yeah. He ripped, well, he ripped Bush a good one right on the House floor a while yeah. back ago. So I mean, he he's been a really good guy, and I, I wish to get the word out about uh, a guy. That, like he's almost like a Ron Paul, I'd say. He's outspoken. He speaks his mind. He's on he's on C-SPAN until probably eleven thirty. Uh, Actually, till midnight some nights mm-hmm. with the Democrats uh, on, so, on there talking about issues. I see. Well, that's uh, that's. I was good. wanting to bring it up about him and let you guys know he yeah, is. I appreciate that. I What's mean, his name again? Congressman Tim Ryan. Okay. We'll take a, take a look into him. I doubt he's that much like Ron Paul, but we'll take a look. And thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number. I just don't like pimping politicians. I They're understand. My least favorite of people. I haven't heard him on the Liberty Index, but I'm interested in what I he's got to say. I despise politicians by default. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control. Bring up whatever's on your mind. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet8.net toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. You want to help support the show, then we'd like you to go and vote. For Free Talk Live, head over to vote.freetalklive.com. Takes you less than a minute, and it makes a big difference for us because it helps keep us in the top ten podcasts of the world. And that's important because the more people uh, come across the top ten, the more people will see Free Talk Live up towards the top. I think we're at number three the last time I looked, Mm -hmm. so we're dropping. That's not good. Uh, We need your votes because more people seeing the show means more people listening and therefore coming across the message of freedom and liberty, in many cases, for the very first time in their lives. So it's very important. Vote. .freetalklive.com. All you need is an email address, and it'll only take you a minute. So we've been talking about health care and how government uh, continues to stick its big old ugly nose into the health care business and just completely ruin everything. They're destroying the market for health care, the market in health care. They're uh, making all kinds of unintended consequences occur, and then they use those unintended consequences as excuses to shove their nose in even further and ma- make more mandates. And now we're talking now Ted Kennedy and uh, some of the national politicians are proposing a, a universal health care plan of some sort. And they just passed, by the way, we haven't even touched on this yet tonight, they just passed the minimum wage increase at the House level. That's going on to the Senate now. It'll be going on to the President where he's promised to sign it. So that's bad news. Um, but, yes, yeah, so they're, they're looking at more proposals, more mandates, more rules and regulations. And as a result of the government continuing to take over health care, it's also going to allow eventually the government to make more rules for your personal life. Because if the government gets to the point, and this is what they want to do, if the government gets to the point where they control all of health care, like in Canada or Denmark or some other uh, country where they have so-called universal health care, when the government is in total control, 
then the government is going to be able to easily make excuses to control your personal behaviors, to control your personal life, to control your consumption habits, to control your exercise habits, to make all sorts of new regulations to control you in the best interests of the community. Sure. If you don't do 20 jumping jacks a day, then uh, you know, you're going to cost people money and in, uh, increased heart surgeries. And if you do 200, that'll be too many, then you'll be in trouble, too. Right. You'll have to have your joints replaced. Right, and I don't know what the punishment will be for that. That's up to uh, some creative decisions as well, like if you aren't doing the appropriate number of jumping jacks. Obviously, they can only force, they can't really force you to do those things. Would they just lock you in jail? Well, what, probably, what would the punishment be? Probably caning. <laughs> I, who knows? Public caning. Yeah. Uh, well, here's uh, one example. And appropriately enough, it's coming from the state of Massachusetts. The Boston, uh, uh, I guess the Boston Globe reporting. Almost 140 Hyannis Elementary School students went home last week with letters implying that they might be at risk for becoming underweight or overweight oh God. after a height and weight screening. Now, this is an example of what happens when the government continues to get into health care. They start to think even more that they own you more than they already do. They already think they own you now. That's why they say you can't take certain kinds of drugs without permission, or you can't take any sorts of drugs, certain types of drugs at all, or you have to wear a seatbelt. They already believe they own you, but this is the next step. The screening is the result of a federal law that requires schools to implement, uh, implement programs aimed at wellness. The programs also include vision and hearing tests. Some parents... As you might guess, are a little angry. The Cape Cod Times reported yesterday Vicki Elliott, whose four-foot-tall, 66-pound daughter, was sent home with a letter warning that she was, quote, at risk of becoming overweight. Said the letter singles out children about a sensitive issue. And, Elliott said, it's none of the school's business. Quote, she can probably eat healthier, but that's for the doctor and me to decide, not the school nurse, said Elliott. The school nurse, Stacy Shackle, said the letter had been meant as an educational tool, not as an insult. The screening determines body mass index. A high number does not necessarily mean that a student is overweight, she said, especially for athletes. It's simply a red flag, potentially, in relation to chronic diseases, said the school nurse. In addition, state law requires that a school notify parents of becoming uh, of children who are becoming overweight or underweight, who may be at risk of become or who may be at risk of becoming so. About half of the Hyannis school students got the letters. Elliot's third grade daughter doesn't think she's overweight. She said, adding that reading the letter upset her. I don't agree with the policy, she, uh, she said. But if you're going to do it, don't send the letter home with the kids. The Mommy, barns- am I fat? <laughs> yeah, well, that hurts. I mean, kids are sensitive at yeah, that age. Sure, they you know? are. You're right. Especially girls. And so that's Boys not good. Boys can be too. Sure, I, I, all kids are, are sensitive about their looks and their appearance at uh, at a young age. Mm-hmm. The Barnstable School District conducts height and weight screening on students from kindergarten through the eighth grade. Superintendent Patricia Grenier said the district could not afford to mail all of the letters, and that in the end, there's a payoff. She says healthy children learn better. 1-800-259-9231 with your comments on the system that is being built up around you right now. You know, they, they actually cut recess in school way down because they had other uh, curricula that they wanted to push on the kids, too, by yeah. the way. Spe- you know, special uh, social indoctrination. And right, that like kind recycling of and that crap. Yeah. Yeah. So now what you're going to see here is, now, at this point, this is the kind, gentle version of what could come down the road. This, and in this version, they send out a letter. They test your kid's body mass index, 
with uh, they take their weight and their height and they calculate the number and then they determine based on that number whether or not they're at risk of becoming overweight or possibly underweight. They send home a letter like they're talking about here. The parents are alerted and that's where it stays. That's the system now. And again, this is in Massachusetts. But what's the next step? Well, the next step could be, for instance, and I'm open to ideas here at 800-259-9231, but it could be some sort of a punishment for kids that are perhaps in the range of being overweight who don't uh, show an improvement one year to the next. Government fat farms, probably. Maybe maybe more often uh, they'll test them on a monthly basis instead of a yearly basis, and if little Johnny or uh, uh, Janie isn't getting uh, thinner or putting on more weight, if they're uh, the anorexic type, if they're not improving as to how the government would like them to improve, then there could be some sort of punishment, maybe for the parents, maybe a fine for the parents to teach them a lesson. Oh, I, I think that it, when it comes they, to kids, they probably have a, a special class man, for them. Mandatory special, classes for the parents, you mean? Uh, no, a special PE class for the kids. And Now, don't forget that But this, it's the parents' responsibility to ensure that their kids uh, eat correctly. No, no. It's parent, not the parents' responsibility. You don't have any responsibilities. It's the state's responsibility to make sure that an uh, endomorphic child gets enough uh, exercise. And mm. so they'll, you know, they'll uh, start feeding the child breakfast in the morning and make sure that they... But what if the kid doesn't exercise? What if he refuses to uh, do the class? What, what the, uh, kids refuse to take a class? I, I refused to do certain things when I was in government high school. Mm. <laughs> I uh, bet you did, Ian. You want me to run around? I'm going to walk. Time out, time out and those kind of things. They don't, I don't think they put me on timeout. They, Look, just, could, they just, just dock your grades. I mean, that's all they can do there. Well, what can I tell you? I mean, you know, if a kid's going to be recalcitrant, then uh, you See, know, here's they're, just, why I'm they're saying, on their way to prison. Here's why I'm saying that they're going to go after the parents. Because remember the story? We talked about it a few months ago. There was a story out of New York City-ish, somewhere in there. There was a school, government school, sort of more of an upper echelon government school or so, something like that, where they have detention for parents. Yes, when the I parents, remember that. Yeah, when the parents were, were arriving with their kids late, in the morning, after the school day had started, the parent would be the one who received the detention. And you would think that most parents would just <laughs> laugh it off and say, <laughs> that's funny, you want me to go to detention? I haven't been in school for 25 years. Now I've got to go to work. But believe it or not, Wayne and Mark, they went to the detention classes because it's authority. Someone in a perceived position of authority was telling them, you have to go to detention, Mr. 45-year-old parent. Mm. And sure enough, they would take time out of going to work, because they did have to go to work. They would sit in there and then tell their boss when they got to work, sorry, boss, I, I had to go to detention at my kid's school today. And you're laughing, because it's kind of cute and it's kind of funny, right? But it's, this is just, I'm just showing you how it is that parents are going to be suckered into this system. Well, They're not going to question it at all. You want to hear another jewel? If your child is deemed as being hyperactive... Uh, having ADD or ADHD, um, hyperactive. Mm -hmm. If you don't put your child on on drugs, uh, they'll basically call child protective services and have the child taken from you. Oh my, that's been going on for a few years now. So they have all kinds of incentives to get parents to comply with the system, which is why I'm suggesting that if your kid's getting too fat, according to the government, they're gonna they're gonna require that the parents go to some sort of a re-education uh, class. They're going to say, well, it's clear that you're having trouble. You've had three months now to turn little Johnny's weight around, 
mommy and daddy, it's clear that you're not doing the right things at home. So we're going to send you to the government re-education camp in regards to how to uh, the nutrition that you're going to need to know for your kids and how to raise them. They're going to be mandated to go to that class, and if they don't go to the class, they're going to go to jail. Because you can't put the kids in jail, but you can put the parents in jail. And that's what's going to happen. And if they go to the class and then little Johnny's weight doesn't turn around, maybe there'll be some more extreme steps. Maybe we'll have a social worker come believe over me. to the house and oh, check their pantry me. out. Believe me, there'll be ch- child protective services will be involved. We'll do a I fridge audit. You. Parents will start to get scared of fridge audits. <laughs> they'll have a secret fridge in the basement. <laughs> 800-259-9231. You're right about that. That will be the reaction. Could very well happen. All right. Hour three's on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. Will Mexico be going to a silver standard? We'll find out. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off Hour 3, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you. That's 1-800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us, as always, on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there. They're totally free. That, again, freetalklive.com. On the way here, if we get a chance, uh, there's, uh, there's an interesting story about emergency powers that apparently are still in effect here in the United States. S- sounds a little conspiratorial on the on its face, but it's pretty it interesting. Does. And I hope we can get to it. But we're, I want to talk about what's going on down south, south of the border, as a matter of fact, in Mexico. There's some talk that the Mexican government may actually be going to a silver standard. And Wayne, you've got the information. Yes, I've been following this story for a while, and actually it's spearheaded by a private businessman, uh, I know we talk so much on the show here about immigration in the U.S., that issue, it's huge. And we've often posed the question, how, why so many Mexicans want to move up here? Why is it so awful for them down in Mexico? Well, Hugo Salinas Price is a private businessman in Mexico, and he's acutely aware that the United States is plundering Earth's wealth via exchanging dollars created out of thin air for tangible products manufactured worldwide. Uh, Mr. Salinas is one of the Mexicans' mm-hmm. leading businessmen, private businessmen, and uh, for over the 50, past 55 years, and he's uh, guided a company called Grupo Electra uh, to become one of Mexico's most successful businesses. Uh, he holds degrees from Wharton, from ITESM. Uh, he has a law degree from a major university down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also a renowned monetary expert in uh, North America, and he spearheaded the movement to remonetize silver in Mexico. So he's spearheading this thing. Interesting. And he's basically a, a student of Austrian economics. Um, and, you know, they're a very poor country, but paradoxically, they're very rich in natural resources, and they've got a lot of hardworking labor, a lot of people there who can work hard, but they have to come here because the economy is so ravished by their currency, the peso, which is also a fiat currency. It's kind of an extension of the dollar, in a sense. They all are. Yeah. Uh, but due to his tireless efforts, Salinas uh, played a pivotal role in seeing to it that a bill be introduced to the Mexican Congress re- with regard to remonetizing silver in Mexico. And he didn't stand alone with, with respect to this undertaking. Governors from all 31 Mexican states have sent a letter to the Ways and Means Committee of the Mexican House of Representatives to urge approval of legislation to remonetize silver. Hmm. Nearly 200 Mexican journalists uh, signed a declaration in support of the legislation. The journalists are behind it? Yes. Wow. And a poll by the Mexican television uh, network TV Azteca 
found that 96% of viewers approved of the idea to re-monetize silver, the silver ounce. So in spite of such popular support, Mexican's Congress has yet to pass legislation to re-monetize it, uh, to be sure by... Now why would that be? <laughs> right, exactly. You know why. Because there's, that's how they're robbing the people. That's why there's so much poverty in Mexico, and they're just importing their poverty problem up here to the United States. That's why tens of millions of people are are pouring into the U.S. for opportunities and jobs. Mas libertad. That's right, because we haven't uh, quite devastated our population and our currency as badly as they have yet. Mm. That's that's the thing. And they talk about the minimum wage in this country. Well, the problem is they're, pr- they're printing too much money. That's the real problem. That's right. why the minimum wage is not enough. It's true, because as they print more money, the money supply inflates. And uh, as a result of that, uh, there's, what is it, too few dollars chasing too many goods? Yes, exactly. See, inflation is not rising prices. Inflation is the increase in the money supply relative to the number of goods and services available. Rising prices is a symptom of inflation. Exactly. And Ted Kennedy knows this, and he's just so full of it. It makes me sick. Money is a commodity. And, um, you know, essentially commodities uh, remain about the same as far as uh, one loaf of bread buying uh, one uh, carton of eggs has probably been about the same for 100 years. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, money is a commodity. When you add more of that commodity to the market, the price goes down. So mm-hmm. the value of the money disappears because there's more dollars floating around right. out there. But, but when you use paper money, basically it, it costs the same amount of money to, to print a $100 bill as it does a dollar bill. Sure. Right. And and basically the U.S. has transferred its inflation to the rest of the world, exporting it in the form of dollars uh, in dollar reserves, and and uh, they push it on all these other countries for their goods, and it's it's a it's complete theft. So you said the governors of the states in Mexico are behind this. The governors yes. are behind it, but the representatives are not. Yeah, the federal government in Mexico, including the president are stonewalling, and they're pretending it's not there, but there's a big groundswell grassroots movement there to remonetize silver, and Mexico has a huge uh, reserves of silver in the ground. They're the largest right. silver producer in the world, so they could do this very easily and create what, a vibrant economy. Right. What would happen? I mean, if they actually did switch back mm-hmm. to a silver-backed currency, that's what we're talking about doing, or they're talking about doing. If that happened, what would be some of the results? What, well, would, you, what well, would you see in short term and then long term? What, uh, what would happen? Well, for one, you'd probably see a lot of Mexicans moving back to Mexico because there'd be a lot of incentive uh, to live there and to have a stable currency, where you, a currency that was a, a true store of value as opposed to something yeah. that's losing value. Who wants to tra- trade in greenbacks? They're useless in comparison to... to there's, this would be the only currency on earth probably backed by silver. Is there anything else anywhere else? I don't think there is. I don't not, think not there anymore. is. I've heard, that, uh, I, I've heard some currencies are, but I, I have seen no... No evidence that, in fact, any other currency is backed by metal or, or anything right. of value. And, and Hugo, if it was, it would be the currency of choice. There may be some places where um, you know they, they trade in you know precious metals, but it, they're just tribal economies. Mexico would be a pow- would be become a, a power player. Yeah. And, yeah, and Hugo Salinas Price has a plan, a very well thought out plan to remonetize silver. And it's mm. straightforward. It's workable. And uh, there's a few key elements. One is they'll have a one ounce, troy, uh, one troy ounce pure silver coin minted by the Mexican mint which is currently uh, the official coin with certain quite limited legal tender characteristics, but they'll just actually won't have a face value on it. It will just be um, one ounce, and there'll be a daily exchange rate. So it will go alongside the existing paper peso. Okay. Kind of like the Liberty Dollar does, only it would be state-sanctioned. So some sort of a transitionary period? Yes. Yeah, exactly. But it would run in parallel so that it would be more of a market-type system for money. Uh, But he's thought this out very well. Um, and 
I think what would happen too is that you'd have people there who could actually save money because there's no incentive to save when when your currency is losing value. Would would I be able to, as uh, somebody in another country, be able to buy a bunch of uh, these silver pesos? Let's call them that. They call them libertads, actually, I believe. Uh, Libertads? Yes, Would libertads. I be able to buy a bunch of those and sit them in a bank in Mexico and uh, actually store my value as opposed to continue losing it here in the United States in the Federal Reserve note for Yeah, you could. In fact, you can buy Libertads now. They have them available. I see. They're just not officially money there right now. In the Got same it. way that the Liberty Dollar is not officially money here. Yes. But if it were officially money, then the banks would be uh, would be dealing with it and... Now, I don't know what's going to happen when it comes to the federal government in Mexico doing anything about this. It sounds like they're not going to do anything. I think it's probably safe to say they probably won't. But then again, if this guy can really get a groundswell going, if he can really uh, communicate and he can get the governors on his side and more of the, the population on their side, presuming the voting isn't completely rigged, maybe they'll be able to elect some people that will make this happen. And if it does then, again, they'll become a, a, an international powerhouse. People are going to drop their dollar reserves like crazy and, and start buying into these uh, libertades, these silver libertades, and, and for good reason, because they'll hold their value. And so there will be all kinds of business, financial and otherwise, coming to, uh, coming to Mexico. And there's one, I think, um, possible good indicator of some some positive things happening down there, and that is that the Mexican, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, the Mexican Banking Board has approved the Walmart banks for Mexico. They won't approve that here in the United States because the banking uh, cartel here essentially says, whoa, they say, whoa, we can't have this kind of competition because no, they're making, scared. They're also, they're making too much money on Walmart in this country with all the transaction fees they charge them. Walmart wants right. to have their own bank here to save on all those transaction fees. Right. They, all, they, they want their own industrial bank so they can run their own uh, credit card processing. But they won't even allow that in the United States. Down in Mexico, we're talking about not only industrial processing, but also uh, individual accounts for for regular Mexicans. And that's that's huge news. They're allowing that in Mexico, but not here in the United States. And so maybe that's a good positive sign that they're heading in the right direction as far as uh, fiscal policy is concerned. Let's hope so. But I think the Mexican government is really just a puppet of the American government. They'll do whatever they say. They certainly backed down on that legalization plan. They had a legalization plan come up in 2006. It was just for minors, little, like little possession of, of all sorts of narcotics. But they wanted to make it legal for you to have like a, you know, a hit of LSD or a bud of marijuana or something like that, and the U.S. turned on the pressure, and Vincente Fox, he buckled right under, and it was like no problem whatsoever to get them to comply, and it was sad. And the 1994 Mexican currency crisis also created a lot of poverty among the poor and even the middle class in Mexico, and it's gotten worse ever since. And that, if you want to know why there's so many Mexicans pouring in America, look no further. 1-800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line for you on the way. The troop increase. We'll talk about it. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8. .net toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there. They're completely free, and that does include the bulletin board system. There's over 1,300 people awaiting to talk to you on that uh, bulletin board system. All kinds of different topics, serious issues, fun stuff. And there's, in fact, over 165,000 posts there. It's all for free at bbs.freetalklive.com to get interactive with us and uh, the listeners. bbs.freetalklive.com. And what's your liberty issue? Is it privacy? 
Register now for the February 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers include anti-real ID activist Jim Harper from the Cato Institute. Also in attendance will be New Hampshire residents and legislators active in the fight against the National Real ID Program. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum to get more information and get registered. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. So tonight the president is supposed to give a speech about his plan for Iraq. And I don't know, I guess it was, what, 9 o'clock when he was supposed to do that? I haven't really been paying that much attention, as most of America won't be paying that much attention to what he has to say, as they typically don't. But one of the things he's been talking about, I guess, is increasing the troop count. And if you look at the results of the 2006 election, it apparently was the case that the American people voted for Democrats to get the Republicans the heck out. Right, and you would think it was because of the war in general, it seems to me. That's certainly what the polling numbers were showing, that Americans were and are fed up with the war in Iraq, and so that was one of the reasons why the Democrats were elected. Now, of course, we've seen shortly after uh, their election, the Democrats hemming and hawing about, well, we can't do anything about this. We're just going to let him do his thing over there in Iraq because we want to get a minimum wage increase in Right, or that's absolutely it. The Democrats want all these uh, uh, domestic issues run through, and uh, they're willing to let the president do whatever the heck he wants over there. They also, I think, want to give him a little bit of rope to hang himself further, too. So they can oh, get a Democrat in the true. White House, too. Yeah, that's probably true. Maybe so. But uh, let's go into their excuses, because this is an interesting story from ABC News, just listening to some of the excuses that they're making for themselves. Uh, the liberal lion of the U.S. Senate roared today. Senator Edward Kennedy from Massachusetts said... Iraq is George Bush's Vietnam. That's pretty good. The longtime <laughs> opponent of the war in Iraq today introduced a bill that would require congressional approval for President Bush's anticipated move for a surge in troops to Iraq and would withhold all troops and dollars from being part of a surge if the measure were to fail. So it makes it sound like uh, that they're doing something that makes it sound like the Democrats are taking steps to put a stop to this increase of troops, that they're going to do something and darn it, it's going to be effective. But within Democratic circles, Kennedy is finding opposition, as some senior Democrats claim they have no constitutional place in waging the war. Senator Joe Biden from Delaware told NBC on Sunday, quote, there's not much that I can do about it. Not much anybody can do about it. Oh, come on. He's the commander-in-chief. If he surges another th- 30, 20,000, or whatever number he's going to into Baghdad, it'll be a tragic mistake in my view. But as a practical matter, there's no way to say, Mr. President, stop. Sounds to me like grandstanding. Give him more rope to hang himself. Here's another example of government screwing something up and then throwing even more money at a problem they've already screwed up to screw it up worse. I've heard he's going to ask for another $100 billion. Oh, doesn't be. They'll just print it right up. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, how can he not ask for another hundred billion dollars? Sure. They're running out of money. They're going to have to bring them all home, and God knows it's important for us to have our military Cut spread and out run, all over the place. And then, they'll, then they'll follow us back. That's to right. America, and we'll kill be our fighting families. in the streets of Ohio if we if we get out of Iraq. Come on. The thing I find most interesting about this story and what they're saying is is that. We're Congress, and we can't do anything to stop this president. He's the president. He's the commander-in-chief. Whatever he says goes. We can't do anything. We're just Congress. When, in fact, uh, I thought the whole point of Congress was to declare war 
and decide where and when to go to war and that sort of thing. They're completely ignoring that. It's as though they don't even have the ability to do those things. Well, if you if you listen to Tony Snow and uh, you look at what Bush is doing with uh, bills that come across his desk with these uh, these signing statements, mm-hmm. I mean, he's essentially saying, well, you know, I don't like what Congress did with this bill, so I'm going to change it. What the heck is that? I mean, the, the exactly. president is turning into an elected dictator. And they claim whenever the he does that crap. The presidency, I should say. Whenever he does that crap, they always claim how it's legal. The Alberto Gonzalez will get on uh, behind the podium and talk about how it's all fully legal, not a problem. And, of course, nothing's ever been done about it. No one's ever brought up any sort of uh, issue in the Senate or charges or anything like that. You know what this brings up for me, guys? You know, they always they say, America's a democracy, democracy, democracy. Well... You know, throughout history, democracies always fail within 200 years because mm-hmm. the people figure out they can vote themselves the treasury, and and uh, the politicians pander, and whoever offers the most free stuff gets elected, and democracies are always followed by dictatorships because the system collapses. So under we're its in own that weight. transitory uh, phase. Yeah, right now, you can see it happening. You can see it happening. Well, we're, Dictatorship, And I'm going to get into, uh, here in a moment, a suggested reason as to why it's going this way, or why people are behaving this way. Going on with Biden's quote, he says, It's unconstitutional to say, we're going to tell you you can go, but we're going to micromanage the war. Now, I sort of understand what he's saying, but they haven't told him he can go. Congress never told the president that he could go to war. There was never a declaration of war made for the war in Iraq. But he's acting as though that there was. He's acting as though that it's all okay, that we told him he could go to war, and it's all been done constitutionally. Not so. But it goes on. Biden's working on blah, 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 and they're talking about, now they're talking about some sort of a, uh, what the Democrats are going to do, a symbolic vote or something like that, because oh, they're acting like they can't do anything about it. So you ask yourself, well, why is that? Well, James Bovard is reporting at uh, jimbovard.com the perils of emergency power. The New York Times reported on June 23rd that President Bush invoked the International Emergency Economic Powers Act to justify warrantless searches of Americans and other people's financial data. According to Treasury Undersecretary Stuart Levy, the U.S. government may have conducted hundreds of thousands of warrantless searches of Americans and others' personal financial data. The Bush administration used broad administrative subpoenas to commandeer said personal data, simply a bureaucratic command to... Give us the information. The media paid little attention to the law that the president invoked in order to justify said incursion. Instead, almost all the coverage and analysis was consumed by harangues over whether the New York Times was guilty of treason for informing Americans of what the federal government was up to. Remember that story? Yeah. But the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, or the IEEPA, is not something safe to ignore. The law gives the president the prerogative to proclaim the existence of a, quote, unusual and extraordinary threat to the national security, foreign policy, or economy of the United States that originates, quote, in whole or substantial part outside of the United States. So once the president pushes this power, many of the limits to his other powers just vanish. This law was passed in 1977, codifying and slightly reforming some of the powers that Franklin Roosevelt had commandeered during the Great Depression. In 1973, a Congressional Special Committee on the Termination of the National Emergency reported... Remember, let me reiterate the name of that committee. In 1973, a Congressional Special Committee on the Termination of the National Emergency 
reported that since March 1933, the United States has been in a state of declared national emergency. What happened in 33? The Depression and the confiscation of, of uh, citizens' gold. We'll oh, get that in, was the gold. We'll get into that. The fact is, and apparently this is a fact, this isn't some crazy conspiracy kookery, this national emergency thing never been undeclared. What does that mean for power of the president? We'll explore coming up. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number is 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Shrine of Female listeners await you. Dozens and dozens of ladies have sent us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. And we put them up on our shrine. And it's kind of neat, Mark. We've got different sections on the shrine. You've got the validated amplifiers. Those are the ladies that are proving they listen to the show, and they also happen to be amplifiers. That means they're sending us um, funds on a monthly basis to support the program. There's the validated ladies. Those are the women that have just taken the time to to prove themselves, prove that they listen. And you can see what I mean by looking at the shrine at shrine.freetalklive.com. But then there's an older section of uh, non-validated Shriners, and we've sort of closed off that section and right. sort of been retired at this point. Well, the section's, re- I mean, it's retired in the sense that no one can get in, but it's right. it's just beneath the rest of them. It was back before we'd come up with the idea for validation, right. and, and we, it was more of when we were a local show. It was a lot easier to send in fakes at that point, um, but, you know, the internet was newer, too. We were also more of a local show, so I think a lot yeah. of them were real. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know they were real. I met a lot of them. Well, and I just it was just neat because one of our old, one of the oldest uh Shriners that we had on there just emailed me out of the blue uh, the other day, and it was yeah, I felt really good about that. Like she found the show Who again. Was it? Um, Peggy was her name. She's one of the very first Shriners we ever look. had. She she emailed uh, out of the blue and uh, she found the show again, and it's just awesome when that happens. So anyway, Shrine.freetalklive.com. We're talking about something right now that's not so awesome. We are talking about the. International Emergency Economic Powers Act. Jim Bovard reporting at uh, jimbovard.com that back in 1977 this law was passed and it gives the president the prerogative to proclaim the existence of an unusual or or extraordinary threat to the national security, foreign policy, or economy of the United States that in whole or substantial part originates outside of the United States. And once they make this claim that said threat exists, then all of a sudden the president gets all sorts of new powers that he never would have normally had. Now, the law was passed in 1977, according to Mr. Bovard. In 1973, a Congressional Special Committee on the Termination of the National Emergency reported, since March 9th of 1933, the United States has been in a state of declared national emergency. In fact, there are now, in effect, four presidentially proclaimed states of national emergency. In addition to the national emergency declared by President Roosevelt in 1933, there are also the national emergencies proclaimed by President Truman in 1950 during the Korean conflict and the states of national emergency declared by President Nixon in 1970 and 1971. These proclamations give force to 470 provisions of federal law. These hundreds of statutes delegate to the president extraordinary powers, ordinarily exercised by Congress, which affect the lives of American citizens in a host of all-encompassing ways. I'm still reading from the original report, Mm -hmm. this committee that was formed on the termination of the national emergency in the 70s. Continuing, 
It says uh, it will affect the uh, lives of American citizens in a host of all-encompassing ways. The vast range of powers taken together confers enough authority to rule the country without reference to normal constitutional processes. You hear that term rule, the word rule? Yes. (laughs) Rule, that's dictatorship. That was a term determined by this committee. This is a committee that uh, was investigating terminating the emergency. Sounds like a government committee to me. Like they wanted to look into this. Like what's it going to take to terminate these national emergencies that are going on? And what does a national emergency do? Well, it allows the entire government to be flipped on its head and essentially breaks, allows the uh, executive branch to break all of the rules and do whatever the flip they want to do. And so it's no surprise when you shift back and you look at what's going on today and how Congress is just sort of deferent to the president, like, oh, the president can do whatever he wants. He's the president. The commander-in-chief can just do anything. They're not saying it's because it's a, uh, the national emergency. And he might just do it anyway, even if there wasn't a national emergency. But it's interesting that there's a little bit of precedent here. Bovard continues, these emergency decrees had resulted in some of the most devastating power grabs in U.S. history. As a 2005 Congressional Research Service report noted, Roosevelt's proclamation was based on, quote, the somewhat questionable authority of the Trading with the Enemy Act of 1917. Roosevelt claimed a, proclaimed a bank holiday, halting a major class of financial transactions by closing the banks, mm-hmm. CRS noted. When Congress passed the Trading with the Enemy Act during the First World War, congressmen weren't thinking of average citizens in Omaha and Sioux Falls as the target of the legislation. Yet Roosevelt contorted the law to his purposes, and Congress effectively retroactively approved his action with the new legislation. Just like they did with the um, Military Tr- uh, Commissions Act. Yeah, exactly Bush right. Bush did whatever he wanted as far as uh, you know interrogating prisoners, and then Congress went back and uh, made it okay. They always do it retroactively to cover their crimes so they can't be tried later on. Yep. And remember, 1933, March 9th, was when the first declared national emergency occurred. Mm-hmm. Well, same year, in 1933, on April 5th, Roosevelt commanded all citizens to surrender their gold to the government. That's right. No citizen was permitted to own more than $100 in gold coins except for rare coins with special values for collectors. And actually, if you read the order, it, it actually says subjects of the United States. Really? Yeah. That's scary. Yes. Gold was thus turned into the same type of contraband substance that rum had been during Prohibition. It's a prohibition on most gold owner ownership. Roosevelt used the same hoarding rhetoric against anyone who owned gold that Stalin used against Ukrainian pre- uh, peasants who sought to retain part of their wheat harvest to feed their families. You know, under communism and everything. But while Stalin sent execution squads to kill the peasants who had a few bushels of grain hidden in their hovels, Roosevelt was kinder and gentler, seeking only 10-year prison sentences for any citizen who dared retain more than five double-eagle gold coins. Hmm. On August 15, 1971, President Nixon imposed wage and price controls, thereby effectively criminalizing tens of millions of actions every day. He based this seizure of power on the threat of inflation. But at the same time that his enforcement agents brought the weight of government upon the head of any business that didn't kowtow to his guidelines, he also directed the Federal Reserve to flood the nation with new paper money, thereby causing inflation. And the oil crisis. At the same time that he undermined the value of the dollar, Nixon also closed the gold window, prohibiting foreigners from redeeming their dollars for anything more than a tough luck shrug from the U.S. government. And by the (laughs) way, since that 1971 move by Nixon... The dollar has lost 80% of its purchasing power. 80%? 80% since 71, about 97% since 1913. Wow. Wow, that's tremendous. Uh, Such powers may have helped inspire Secretary of State Henry Kissinger's famous saying, quote, The illegal 
We do immediately. The unconstitutional takes a little longer. Mm. End quote. I've never actually heard that saying no. before. And it's, uh, it about sums up what goes on with government today. Yeah. They just do whatever they want to do. Whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats. Yep, whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats. Because then... don't forget, um, Roosevelt was a Democrat. And don't forget that, remember when we said nothing was going to change when the Democrats got in power? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're seeing it right now. Nothing is going to change. The more things change, the more they stay the same, uh, to cite another cliche. And uh, yes, Roosevelt was a Democrat, and Nixon was a Republican. Yep. So the printing press has helped further a boom that ensured a second term for Nixon, at least until he was driven from office in disgrace. Nixon's abuses of power helped spurn concern about the extent of emergency power. The 1973 Congressional Committee sought to bring together the body of statutes which had been passed by Congress, conferring extraordinary powers upon the executive branch in times of national emergency. But there were so many such provisions that no one had ever kept track of them. The committee's report lamented, quote, This has been a most difficult task. Nowhere in the government, either in the executive or legislative branches, did there exist a complete catalog of all emergency statutes. Many were aware that there had been a delegation of an enormous amount of power, but of how much power? No one knew. The government itself couldn't even figure out what laws were on the books. How on earth they expect us to know is another question. But the report continues... In order to correct this situation, the special committee staff was instructed to work with the executive branch, the Library of Congress, and knowledgeable legal authorities to compile an authoritative list of delegated emergency powers. Unfortunately, we're back to Jim Bovard, this didn't persuade Congress to pull the plug on this nonsense. Instead, the 1977 Act perpetuated many of the same powers. So, all of the research, all of the uh, things that they did, didn't actually do anything about any of it. The states of emergency are still in effect today. The public papers of the presidents contains notice after notice of the IEEPAs being invoked, yet almost all of these national emergencies are as bogus as $3 bills. And then they go through a list of some of the excuses that they use to continue to claim that there's a state of national emergency. Do you guys feel like there's an emergency in the United States today? Do we need to be under a state of national emergency? No, wait, it's for our protection. That's right. There's terrorism now, Mark. You forgot about that. A constant threat of terrorism for well, they that. they have to keep a threat going. Otherwise, they won't be able to grow the government. Yep, exactly. And that's what they're doing. More on the way. You can take control of the airwaves. This is your show, Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain here, and you can still take control of the airwaves, though. The toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Just enough time for your call if you make it now. It's Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, though we do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff, Free Talk Live stuff. We've got Free Talk Live branded merchandise like hats and T-shirts. We've got the Free Marketeer flag, DVD, archive, collector sets. They're all there for you. Store.freetalklive.com to place your order and shop around. That's store.freetalklive.com. In addition, you can also shop at amazon.freetalklive.com to get everything you might possibly need to buy in life. I mean, whether it be uh, accessories, whether it be clothing, sporting goods, books, DVDs, I mean, it's all there. 35 categories to shop from, including their brand new grocery store, Amazon.freetalklive.com. When you shop there, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of your purchase. Once again, that's Amazon.freetalklive.com. We're talking about power grabs. We're talking about the state of emergency that has been in effect in the United States since 1933 and has never been repealed. And 
when you make a claim like that, and, and we've had people make claims that, oh, the United States is bankrupt and blah, blah, blah. And when you first hear claims like that, it sounds kookery. It sounds like kookery. It sounds like crack pottery. Uh, but this is the real deal. Like, mm-hmm. we really are still in a state of emergency since 1933. And, in fact, three other states of emergency have been proclaimed since then. And never repealed. And never repealed. And JimBovard.com uh, pointing out that these states of emergency allow the president vastly increased powers over what he's constitutionally supposed to have. Now, of course, Congress has created these uh, these parameters in the first place, so they they essentially said, this is okay, all you have to do is just claim there's an emergency, we'll have a state of emergency, and then you can just do whatever you want there, Prez. That's what they've done. And well, now you can see the results of it in uh, the way they're behaving today, and that is that the president, the executive branch, just does whatever it wants, and Congress sits on its thumbs and says, as we were quoting from an article earlier, there's nothing we can do. We're Congress. We can't do anything to stop this guy. It's crazy. 800-259-9231. But we're not really operating under a um, state of emergency. Maybe we're we're under a state of emergency in the sense that they have not uh, rescinded them. But no one's saying, "Hey, we're in a state of emergency." Of so not. these um, so these uh, powers that the president's uh, using here, they're legal. Yeah, no one's saying that, but it's it's the case. They've been acting as if we've been under that for a long time, and and a lot of people don't understand why. They cut, they break down your door and do certain things when they don't seem to have any right to. But maybe they they can cite that to a private to a judge in a, in a hidden court somewhere. Well, and remember the uh, the beginning of Bovard's article points out that they did mention in the news when uh, Br- uh, President Bush was caught spying on people's financial transactions. They did mention that it has to do with the International Emergency Economic Powers Act, and then that was it. They just sort of Here okay, it is. this is why this That's is cool. happening. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's legal. And then every, all the constitutional people say, well, it's legal. Of course, it's not. It's an outrage against the original system that the Founding Fathers sent, uh, set up. But this, they've been doing all sorts of outrageous things for the longest time. And I'm just, I just find it interesting uh, to point out this, this fact. Te- technically, any law that's passed that's repugnant to the Constitution is null and void. Yes, but if the people and the judicial branch don't do anything about it, then they'll continue acting as though everything's peachy keen. And that's yep. what they're doing right now. And, and in fact, Bovard points out a couple of examples of in the last 15 years, the U.S. government has proclaimed international emergencies in order to justify boycotts against Haiti, Liberia, Sierra Leone, and Libya for various excuses. On its face, to claim that there's an international emergency because some sub-Saharan government is trampling its people's rights is absurd. It's the job description of most governments in the world, in that part of the world, to trample people's rights. Yet issuing this label... (laughs) Certainly seems to be. It permits presidents to strut around and act as though they have a magic wand to inflict justice upon the world. The IEEPA allows the feds to prohibit all trade and levy heavy penalties on Americans who buy and sell from people of whom the U.S. politicians don't approve. The IEPA was continually invoked by three presidents to justify the blockade of Iraq, which lasted from 1990 to 2003. The sanctions on Iraq resulted in boosting the infant and young child mortality rate by 150% because they couldn't get medicines. Columbia University uh, professor and uh, epidemiologist and expert on the effects of sanctions estimated that in 2003 the sanctions had resulted in up to 529,000 infant and young child fatalities. Apparently, in the eyes of Presidents George Bush, Bill Clinton, and and the other George Bush, America would have been gravely threatened if the blockade had not ravaged the children of Iraq and the entire economy. 
The IEEPA can give the government boundless arbitrary power over how Americans spend their money. As Wikipedia noted, the Department of Justice has brought IEEPA charges against Americans who traveled to Iraq in advance of 2003's invasion to act as human shields on the basis that they spent money while in Iraq. Huh. They were using this act to bring charges against those people because of the blockade. According to the feds, Americans in effect automatically became criminals when they got their way, uh, when they got in the way of the Pentagon's killing of foreigners. The notion that pittances that dissident Americans spent in Baghdad prior to shock and awe somehow created an international economic emergency is total hokum. Yet federal prosecutors solemnly filed those charges in court, and you can bet those people had to face them. The current IEEPA case involving Bush's order to conduct warrantless financial surveillance may yet draw attention to the underlying power that he used. In the coming weeks and months, other details of the surveillance scheme might leak out. It's likely that the government has gone much further than Americans yet realize. You know they have. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, neither Congress nor the courts have done much to restrain these emergency so-called power grabs. As Robert Higgs and Charlotte Twilight or Twite noted in a 1987 study for the Independent Institute, quote, the Supreme Court has ruled on several occasions on the permissibility of emergency powers. These decisions constitute a melancholy chapter of constitutional history, a record of evasion and capitulation of the judicial function, against which many justices on the minority side have objected. So they're doing all of this with the blessing, uh, the blessing of the Supreme Court. They know what's going on. And they're doing nothing to step in. So once again, it comes down to all three branches of the government are complicit in uh, fostering bigger and bigger government upon the people. Well, that seems obvious. Right. And they're all doing it so-called legally because the uh, Congress passes these laws. Because they're all lawyers. That's why. Exactly. Congress passes a law that allows for emergency powers. The president invokes the emergency powers. The president becomes all the more powerful as a result of doing so. Again, he invoked them back in 1933, still going today. The president's invoked some more emergency powers over time. Comes to the justices in the Supreme Court and they say, no problem. It, stamp of approval. It's all done and over with at that point. There's not much a jury can do to stop this. No. Well, if you ever decide to run for Congress, you better be a Boy Scout because, believe me, uh, you're, you're under constant surveillance if you're a congressman or a senator. Really? Or you work for the government at that level. And anything that they can get on you... It'll, there'll be a file. Yeah, they use that as leverage against a lot of people. You got like the blackmail you. Yeah, Ron Paul is a Boy Scout basically, so they can't get him. They can't control him. Mm-hmm. But there are, and there are a few others too. But be aware of that. Anybody out there who plans on running for office, you better really uh, be on your best behavior. And Bovard finishes with an interesting observation. He says, in the era of the founding fathers, Americans referred to emergency as the tyrant's plea. Unfortunately, far too many Americans have forgotten why tyranny is a bad thing. Instead, they wait to be rescued by politicians seizing absolute power. Too few, and we saw what happened when uh, people wait for rescue from politicians in the Katrina debacle. Mm-hmm. Too few Americans recognize that the loss of invaluable rights might be the biggest emergency of them all. And unfortunately, they have already been lost. Oh. At this point, it's a, transi- it's a transitory period, like it was suggested earlier. We're transitioning from essentially the democracy, which, of course, we weren't originally supposed to be a democracy, it was supposed to be a representative republic, we're transferring now to a dictatorship, and it's all the, the whole way has been paved very slowly, as you pointed out earlier, Mark, this sort of bit by bit, increasing the heat on the frogs in the boiling pan, and uh, we're the frogs. 
and we haven't figured it out yet. Well, some Americans are scrambling to uh, give up our rights. You know, they they want to give up other people's rights, really, is what they want to do. And in the process, we're all giving up our own. Why are people so complacent nowadays? I mean, this never would have happened. Uh, 50... They're comfortable. Well, they're comfortable. Yeah. Television, air conditioning. Air conditioning. Food, grocery Lots stores. Yeah. Chemicals in the water and everything. Cell phones. <laughs> Cell phones. We're very, very spoiled. Yeah. And they don't feel like they're unfree. They can still get up in the morning and choose which direction they want to walk down the street for now. Of course, that's not necessarily going to be the case in New Orleans soon. And we don't have the time to get into the story, but there's uh, news that New Orleans is going to be setting up roadblocks. uh, They were looking at a curfew. They haven't yet gone to the curfew point, but apparently because the government can't handle investigating murders, there have been a few murders there in New Orleans. They can't round anybody up. They can't capture anybody. There's just, you know... Like, what is it, like one murder a day has been happening in New Orleans uh, so far this year or within the past several months? It's a lot. And so they're using that as an excuse to institute roadblocks. I'll try to pull up some more information on that. Maybe like they, maybe a nightly sh- roadblock thing. Well, maybe they should just give people their guns back down there and then they can defend themselves. It's been Ian here with you. And Wayne. And Mark. Bring you more programming tomorrow night, same time, same place, online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.